Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. Always fascinates me is what the legislature takes up in the final hours of the session. The session ends this Friday at midnight, Dave, and uh, one of the things on the agenda uh, has to do with feeding stray cats. <laughs> you would think this would be done more on the local city level, you know, city ordinance. I don't know. Maybe there's there's a good reason to take up the feeding the stray cat legislation. I'll be honest. I've got a story, Debbie, okay. that will ah, terrify you when I tell you what happened when one of my neighbors was, quote unquote, feeding the stray cat. And that is far from the only issue that lawmakers are looking into or looking at this week. We're going to dive into the $20,000 boost for first-time home buyers. That is getting a boost as well on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's 907. It's time for the launch. Sequence engaged. And here are three things that Debbie wants you to know. Countdown 3. I saw that Sen- Senator Mitt Romney uh, Weighed in on who he thinks the Republican Party will likely nominate for the top of the ticket. Not not Nikki Haley. No, not Ron DeSantis. No. Listen to what he told our very own Doug Wright on Sunday edition on KSL 5 this weekend. Look, I, I didn't think uh, Donald Trump would become the nominee of the Republican Party back in 2016. Uh, he did. And at this stage, I think he's by far the most likely to become our nominee in 2024. By far the most likely. That was a real shocker to me. I don't know if this is Senator Romney kind of trying to push the other potential candidates to get in the race before it's too late. Because you know he doesn't support a Donald Trump run. Countdown to... At 9.35, we're going to ask KSL 5 Television's Matt Gephardt, is this legal He's going to join us with what he found out about Utahns going to great lengths to avoid paying thousands in taxes by road tripping to Montana to register their cars, their boats, the RV, their RVs, where it's a fraction of the cost. So we're going to ask him, is the state cracking down on people who do this? And this guy saved how much? You saved over $8,000. $8,000. There are few things in this world that drive me as crazy as having to register my car every single year. <laughs> it is a straight money grab. Ah. Straight money grab. And at what point do you get to purchase something and just it gets to be yours? If you bought a television and then you had to pay a registration tax on it every single year, that would be ridiculous, Pretty right? Good point. But when it's a car or a boat or a jet ski, everyone's like, oh, yeah, totally. we got to do that. We don't drive TVs on the road, though, Dave. (laughs) What does that matter? (laughs) Launch countdown one. Our top story um, 
is this two Utah siblings uh, just found out about this by reading ProPublica. It's hitting the national national news. Um, two Utah siblings hold up in their mother's home. One is 15 years old. The other is 12. Live streaming day and night, saying they expect cops to show up at any moment to take them away and return them to their dad. It is a custody battle unfolding in Utah on social media. There's also a chance that they could come at any second. That's the reason why I'm still in here. Because they could come at any second and use reasonable force to take us. Custody battles are brutal. Are absolutely brutal. And I feel for kids that get caught in between two warring sides between parents having to choose and then again you have to ask yourself well what right do the kids have in these disputes how much should we listen to a 12 year old or a 15 year old when determining who they're going to live with and how much time they're going to spend with one parent versus the other the launch. Commence. Dave and DeGenevic. Dave and DeGenevic. Special coverage of the top local story. And the top local story featured in ProPublica. And the headline is this, Dave. Barricaded siblings turn to TikTok while defying court order to return to their father. They say abused them. Um, so that clip that I just played moments ago from that TikTok post by the 15-year-old boy was from January, anticipating cops could show up any time to return them to their dad. Um, and the ProPublica article states that they're at their mom's home in Utah. There's also a chance that they could come at any second. That's the reason why I'm still in here, because they could come at any second and use reasonable force to take us. And I feel terrible for the police officers that are now in a, a situation where they've got to step in and enforce this court order. They they have to go to the other parent. That is what the court order says. And if they refuse, then the only other option is for someone to physically remove these children from their home and take them to the other parent. I think there's some nuances uh, to that that I want to get into right now in terms of who gets custody and when. And we're going to also have KSL legal analyst Greg Scordis join the show with the question that you raised. Do the kids in a custody dispute uh, have any say at all? So I want to make it clear that this is coming from this ProPublica article. We haven't independently verified the allegations that have been raised by these kids. But there's these two siblings in Utah. They've barricaded themselves in a bedroom at their mom's home in defiance of the judge's order. This is according to what ProPublica is reporting um, to return to the custody of their father. And and that is, um, according to ProPublica, despite state child welfare investigators determining that he had sexually abused the children. But I want to make this clear. The father's attorney denies that allegation and told the publication that there have been similar false claims repeatedly for years. This just speaks to how brutal these custody battles can be, right? Whether it's true, whether it's not, uh, whether it can be proved, 
abuse is a massive allegation, sexual abuse, one of the worst allegations. Uh, if it's true, these poor children, if it's not, what a lie. I mean, this is what is swimming in my head right now, Debbie, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the solution is. So in in um, comes this court order. I, I looked at the date. I think it was at the end of January, so just a few weeks ago, saying this, that the kids have been barricaded in the same room for weeks Six weeks, I believe, is what it said. And the 15-year-old brother hadn't left the home, and the the sister had only left a couple of times, and neither was attending school. And that police were then authorized by the judge to use reasonable force to unbarricade the children. Now, A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought... There are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Where they will end up is not directly into the dad's custody. There's more to this story. I want to dive into that when Greg Scordis, our legal analyst, calls the show. Dave Indigenovic. Dave Indigenovic. Special coverage of the top local story. Top local story this morning uh, comes to us by way of ProPublica. Um, story with the headline that reads, Barricaded siblings turn to TikTok while defying court order to return to their father. Um. The story of these of these two Utah siblings hold up in the it looks like they're hold up in the bedroom at their mother's home, Dave. And then you have this judge in Utah who's issued an order: the police can use reasonable force to remove them. And let's remind our listeners: this thing is being live streamed. We just went to this fifteen year old boy's TikTok to see if it was live streamed. What'd you see? Well, I'll tell you: you hear from the child's point of view what is happening. It's powerful. You listen to a kid talk about um, being sexually abused by a, a parent and not wanting to go to that parent's house. I mean, how could you not be moved if you're watching that video? And then you add a, an additional layer to it where it's being streamed live on social media. Now you're in just this incredibly difficult situation because you don't know what's going to happen you know, once there is a confrontation. Which a court order demands there to be. Yeah. Reasonable force can be used to remove them. Um, here's a just a short clip of the, of the many TikToks that are posted um, the, uh, by this 14-year-old boy who is barricaded in a bedroom at his mom's home. There's also a chance that they could come at any second. That's the reason why I'm still in here, because they could come at any second and use reasonable force to take us. And we don't know if these allegations are true or not. That is that is not our decision to make. Like we we can't determine that. That is why there's a court system. That is why you you put forth information and you have a judge that makes a ruling and the judge says you you've got to spend time at both parents' house. Her attorney the father has denied the allegations. Um and the 15-year-old boy 
who's barricaded, along with his 12-year-old sister, Greg, denies allegations that his mom is engaged in parental alienation. Um, Greg Scordis, KSL legal analyst, let's just start there. This uh, this allegation of parental alienation um, that looks as though it's being lobbed toward the mom in this matter. Um, what does that mean exactly? Well, it... it, it means different things to different people, and I know that's not a good answer, but parental alienation isn't really a medically recognized diagnosis, but it's used a lot in connection with uh, child custody cases where one party claims that the children don't want to be with him or her because the other parent is alienating them. And it's also used, on the other hand, by people who are accused of sexual misconduct claiming, well, this is the result of parental alienation. I didn't really do it. It's just my spouse is convincing the children to say bad things about me. And so we actually have both of those (laughs) occurring in this case where the judge is saying, well, well, some parties are saying that the mother is alienating the children from the father and others are saying the father is using that as a shield to protect him from allegations of sexual and emotional misconduct. Greg Scordis, our KSL legal analyst, custody battles are brutal, uh, and they are they are such a strain. But oftentimes, it we don't really know what the rights of the children are because it's uh, a judge and the parents that are kind of battling things out. What kind of say do kids have when it comes to custody? Well, in this case, and in a lot of others, Dave, this state has appointed what's called a guardian ad litem for the children. So mom has a lawyer and dad has a lawyer. And then the state provides a lawyer. Uh, These are usually from the attorney general's office who acts as a representative for the children. And this lawyer has weighed in and and sort of is seemingly siding on on the side of the father a little bit and claiming that there does seem to be some level of parental alienation. But the judge has ordered what's called the reconciliation of trying to get the, the, the family back together and has done that in a real sort of limited way such that the dad can now see the children and get custody of the children. But to protect any chance that there's abuse, the children will not be spending the night with the father. They'll be with the family, a, a relative. Yeah, that, that seemed to me, Greg, uh, to be um, a, a reasonable middle ground that the judge came up with, that, that these children will not just be handed back to their father, but that they would indeed be housed at a relative's home. Um, but apparently that doesn't seem to be moving the needle at all. And, and by the way, we're on the phone live with KSL legal analyst Greg Scordis. We've asked him to weigh in on this very public uh, custody battle where two Utah siblings, a 15-year-old boy and his 12-year-old sister, appeared to be barricaded inside a bedroom inside their mother's home. Uh, their story making national headlines over the weekend, and we're here uh, kind of breaking down what we know and what we don't know about it. Uh, but I thought that judge, when I, I read as much of the order as I could, it was um, dozens of pages long this morning, um, and it did seem like he came up with something that was kind of a, a good middle ground for both all parties, the kids included. Right, and we usually want to have reunification. I mean. Uh, Children have two parents, and and the law, and especially the law in Utah, seems to support the fact that both parents should have equal access to the children. And dad hasn't had access for some time for whatever reason, either because of something he did or because of something mom did. 
But the judge is saying, look, let's start this reunification process slowly with the children. Come and see dad for a couple hours at a time. Supervise. Don't spend the night. Don't have fear that he's going to be alone with you and see how that goes. And then we'll review it after some period of time. And I think, like you say, Debbie, that's a really sensible, well thought out ruling by the judge to sort of try to balance the, the interests of the children to be protected from an allegedly abusive father and the rights of a father who hasn't had anything proven against him at all uh, to be able to see his children. Greg, I want to talk a little bit more about this reasonable force aspect. The son is reportedly live streaming this uh, from his bedroom around the clock. So if there is an altercation, if the police do have to, what, break down the bedroom door on live on this live stream to remove the kids? Like, what, can you walk us through some of this reasonable force? Yeah, and that, that's, you actually spelled it out pretty well, Dave. I mean, the mother should just tell the kids to open the door and to make themselves available. But if she doesn't, for whatever reason, the judge has authorized the, the use of reasonable force. Now, that's just the police coming in and doing more than just knocking on the door and opening a door. If a door is blocked and barricaded, the police can use force to open the door. They can, they can uh, use a pry bar. They can use a hammer. They can use whatever. If the children resist, the officers can take them by force. And I don't mean by uh, any level of abuse, but to, to, to literally carry them away. If that means in cuffs or something like that, I would hope that it doesn't come to that, that the children will go with the police and they will be uh, reunified with their father at some point. And, I mean, there's an easy way and a hard way to do this. The judge is saying if they don't do it the easy way, I'm authorizing you, law enforcement, to, to do it the hard way. And and let's not forget, and I know we haven't, but there are two children caught in the middle of this. Um, and that that that's that in and of itself is is heartbreaking, Greg. Um, you, t- you talk about from the one hand, the kids are, according to the courts, not attending school and haven't, ha- you know, hadn't left the home um, at well, the, they said in the, their January uh, ruling that the that the brother hadn't left the home in, in weeks, and that the sisters only left a couple of times. So here we have a, a custody dispute unfolding with two kids in in the middle of it all, and it's it's and it's not the it's not the only case that this happens in. I mean, this happens time and time and time again. Yeah, and it, and with this particular situation as you and i talked sort of off the air a little bit I and mean, we're dealing with a kind of older children i mean the boys 15 and the girls 12 right. and the courts courts will defer to them a little bit i mean it's not like they get to choose which parent they stay with but they certainly have more input than say a five and a two-year-old um and so and and these kids are active in this uh, resistance against their father they've barricaded themselves they're the, the boys live streaming it i mean they're they're taking a very a very aggressive role not to see their father. And I mean, something's going to happen here very shortly that, that someone's not going to like very much. Greg Scordis, thank you for joining us. KSL Legal Analyst. I know our uh, producer's been in contact uh, with um, other, like the attorney for the father. And I think we're trying to track down uh, the mom's side of the story as well. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll continue working behind the scenes to bring you the very latest on this case as it develops. And straight ahead, uh, KSL Television's Matt Gephardt calling in because he's found Utahns running to Montana 
to register their their cars, their their boats, their RVs, and they are saving thousands and thousands of dollars by doing it this way. So I'm going to ask him, is this legal? In three minutes. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.